Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days, you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello, Clash Potters, and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the show that sees two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does it better, except hold up, not on this episode. No, this is a special mini episode before next week's battle commences on Monday with the full Monty versus Magic Mike. So you've got a bit of extra time for this week's homework. Now, the reason we're taking this brief pause in the regular Clash Pod shows comes down to, are you ready for this? Hold on to your hats. Scheduling. Yeah, strap in. Let's talk about scheduling. Basically, if we didn't have this little hiatus from regular service, it would mean forevermore part one of each Clash Pod would be going out on Thursday and part two on Monday, which is nuts, especially in a time where every day is unrecognizable from the next. Uh, Seriously, I spent all Friday convinced it was Thursday last week. It would just exacerbate that and we'd all go more insane. So rather than just skip a show entirely, we've got today's clash pod special called remembering cinema so uh, i'm guessing just like uh, myself and mr chris tilly hello thanks for letting me speak <laughs> i just wanted to explain everything before we came to you no, i, I think it's really smart out of the way. i mean for okay, me it boils down to wanting to be able to say on next week's show without getting confused and yeah, yeah, yeah. once we've done the shift i'll be able to do that Right, and which is why we're here today doing Clash Pod, remembering cinema. Because you love cinema, I love cinema, I'm almost 100% sure everyone who listens to us loves cinema. And what with us being no longer able to go and worship at our chosen celluloid temple, I thought we'd discuss some of our best and worst memories of our times at cinemas, uh, whether it's the smell of liquid nacho cheese or enjoying a chilled glass of white wine brought directly to our seat. It really depends on where you go. There is a lot of variety in cinema out there these days. We're going to discuss cinema. So uh, with that in mind, welcome to Clash Pods Remembering Cinema. 
Chris, shall we start with a best experience and then a worst experience and go to and fro like that for a little I bit? How many so. have you got? Have you got a number? Yeah, I've got a few. I'm, I just want to add one thing. You said we're doing this because you love cinema and I love cinema. Is the implication mm. now that um, Vicky does not love cinema because she's not on this podcast? She hates it. I mean, she, I'm, she, she, I don't know whether hate hates a strong word, but she sort of actively doesn't like cinema. I've no idea, really. We should acknowledge think, her lack of, of, of presence on this week's episode, though, before we jump in. Um, but I don't, I mean, she had, she had the option to be here. Let's just make it clear. I did say, Vicky, do you want to do this? And she went, no, not really. I'll just what see was her, Did week. she have an excuse? No, that's a, that was the worst part. She didn't even bother coming up with a legitimate excuse. Like, actually, she just went, no, thanks. No, not up for it, really. So it's just me and you, which is nice. Okay. I don't think we've ever spent time together on the show like this. How are you feeling? Good. I'm excited to talk about the cinema because I love it. And that's why we do this. Okay. So I've got um, a few little bits. I've got sort of little short bits for some of my best and a few little long bits. But you start with one of your best. I'm going to go through mine chronologically. I might do two at a time because like they're okay. only short. But you start, Chris. Take us on this journey. I'm going to be all over the place with mine because um, I've not really Great. structured this. I've just written out a list. Um, I'll tell you my favourite cinema going experience i think as an adult anyway it was at a uh film festival i think it was south by southwest in austin and it was for a documentary i didn't have high expectations for which is called the king of kong and have you ever seen that alex yeah 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 the donkey kong uh yeah. arcade machine the guy um, who was absolutely brilliant at it. yeah yeah I'd, l- I'd love to do it on on clash of the titles but it's you know whether we go into documentaries i don't know but anyway so it's uh, about um yeah. two guys who were good at donkey kong uh one is a lovely chap steve Weeby, and one is evil personified a guy called billy mitchell and it is like a battle between good and evil you so desperately want steve Weeby to succeed and break this record and then uh billy mitchell is using all these underhand tactics to s- prevent him from getting his record and they were going to make a, a, a fictionalized version of this story and Will Ferrell was going to play Billy Mitchell, but he ended up not doing it because I think he realized and he was right that he couldn't be funnier than Billy Mitchell is just unintentionally. Um, <laughs> and so it's got a very emotional ending. This film. Well, it blew me away. It's one of my favorite films of the last 20 years. Um, and it's got a very emotional ending, which I won't spoil here, but then it sort of didn't really leave a, a dry eye in the house. And then when the lights went up, uh, the, uh, someone came on stage and said, by the way, you haven't realised this, but Steve Weeby's sitting in the front row. Um, oh, wow. And he cries several times in the film, which makes you cry. And then he stood up and he starts crying. Everyone starts crying. And then um, <laughs> he stood at the, uh, the front and the whole cinema queued up to just shake his hand and say wow. thank you and well done. And it was just such a lovely emotional moment. Um that it was it was magical and it's it's a film that I love showing to people because I don't think a lot of people have heard of it and it's a really fun one especially after a few beers like it's just it's got so many strange bizarre characters and twists and turns so yeah that was really special oh that's nice that's a heartwarming story about a heartwarming movie if i remember mm. rightly that's great lovely um okay um i i see your uh, steve Weeby, the king of kong story and i raise you um hosting the premiere this is kind of unfair because i'm picking i'm picking movies that i've i've been to the cinema for but also in a professional capacity to host the premiere i did the premiere of australia um you know the baz Luhrmann movie hugh jackman 
uh, Nicole Kidman. I was at that premiere. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, then you might be able to confirm this moment. This is the one in Leicester Square, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, So Nicole Kidman's on stage, and I was interviewing her on stage, and I said what I still believe is quite an innocent question. I went... um, I went, I went, so, um, so, uh, you said yes to this movie immediately without even um, reading the script or anything, didn't you? And she was like, yeah, I did. I wanted to work with Baz. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Did you ever have second thoughts after you found yourself standing in, you know, a hundred degree heat wearing a corset? And she went, what did you say? And I'm like, I said, did you ever have second thoughts uh, standing in a hundred degree heat, you know, wearing a corset? And she went, "I I do not wear a corset in this movie. And I'm like, uh, oh yeah, I think you do. Uh, I think you do. She's like, I, I do not wear a corset in this movie. I'm like, the kind of, the thing with the the the, the dress oh, of the time that's tied at the front. She was like, I'm telling you right now, I did not wear a corset in this movie. Then she takes my microphone and says into it at the top of her voice, Baz, Baz. Baz Luhrmann is doing the press line at this point, and this is like about 100 metres away, and he turns around because her voice is going across the PA. She's like, Baz, come up here and tell this man I did not wear a corset in this movie. And I'm standing there going, oh, God, please let this end. And to this day, I think it was the fact that I think we just, it was a language thing. Like, she thought I was basically going, God, you needed to wear a corset you know, for for your weight or something. When I maintain that that artifact of clothing with the little bits down the front, if I'd said bodice, it would never have happened. Petticoat. You should have gone petticoat. Yeah, I should have. I should. I should. I should have just not said anything. I should have just gone. I, wonderful movie, Nicole. Tell me whatever you want to say, and I won't ask any questions that are going to make you shout "Baz" across Leicester Square through a PA system. <laughs> so that was uh, one of my worst experiences. Hugh Jackman came on and. He was brilliant because he sort of went, uh, do you, you know the bit where I shower in that movie, where I pull the vase over myself with the water? You'll never, ever see another man shower like that again because no one in history showers like that. <laughs> I was like, that's funny. I remember the audience pissing themselves when he did that because it was so obviously, yeah. you know, designed to make him look sexy and show off his body. Yeah, it was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Um, All right, your turn. I'll go back to childhood and... I apologise if I've said this before on this show. I'm not sure if I have, but when I saw E.T., which is the first film I saw at the cinema, I guess I was five and my brother was four, around that age. And I loved it. I mean, I adored that film. But my brother, I just don't know if he was emotionally mature enough to properly grasp what was happening. And he got so overcome with sadness um, when (laughs) E.T. seems to die that he couldn't stop crying and we had to leave the cinema and we had to go home. We couldn't go back in because he was crying so much. But then when we got home, he missed E.T. so much, he wouldn't stop crying. And so we had to go back to the cinema to stop him crying. And I don't know how long that went on for, but I think I saw E.T. about five times. Um, But I think that's the genius of Steven Spielberg a little bit there as well, in that he just makes you feel these emotions that it's hard to comprehend and it's um it's it's what made that film the biggest movie of all time i think it really gets under your skin yeah yeah i mean i i i have vague memories of seeing it in the cinema i i around the like it was i I, maybe i did wait it was what was it is it 1982 yeah 82 but then it got re-released um three or four times uh over the next two or three years yeah 
I mean, when I was a kid, I, one of my worst memories as a kid of going to the cinema was um, 1985, so a little bit later, because um, I remember walking into the foyer of the Odeon uh, on the head row in Leeds, and this was this was back. This is you remember 1985 when they still used to put the letters on the big white board outside, spell out the name of the movie. Yeah. Um, and it, they they must have had that till about 1987 because I remember once being on a bus and driving past it and seeing that um, Predator was out and someone had to write out in letters Arnold Schwarzenegger. And even at being, like being eight years <laughs> old, I remember going, someone earned their money this week. That's a, that's a lot of letters. <laughs> but it was 1985 going to that exact cinema and Aliens was out and um, my mum and dad and my gran were there and me and my little brother were there and I'm like, oh my God, we're going to see aliens. This is going to be amazing. And there was a giant queen alien statue in the foyer and I remember being over the moon and then my mum and dad going in to see aliens and me and my brother going with my gran to see Care Bears the fucking movie. Oh, and I had to sit through Care Bears the movie knowing that aliens was in another room and I wasn't being allowed to see it. I was livid. I was only what seven years, six, five years, six years old, and I was—I still understood that I'd been tricked. How did you know about aliens when you were six years old? I because I was—I was aware, like I was aware that I don't think I knew it as aliens, but I think when I saw the model in the foyer, I was like, "This is something. This is this," and like there was a, there was just like I knew that there was something else that I was being withheld. From enjoying, yeah, and you would have been a year older because it was eighty six, wasn't it? Aliens. It was it eighty six? There you go. Yeah, seven years old. That was all. Um, that shit, you though. made me remember one actually. Yeah, I, I messed up when I was uh, in eighty five because um, we went to the cinema at Christmas and my parents let me pick the movie, and I picked Santa Claus the movie, which I don't like now, but I did love at the time. To be fair, it was probably the right decision at the time, but it the choice was between that and Back to the Future. And little did oh. I realise that was going to become my favourite <laughs> film of all time. And <laughs> so the come the next summer, I, I saw it and I was like, oh, bloody hell, why did I? And I just really regret, you know, I think my whole family would have preferred to have seen Back to the Future as well. But you um, still regret that. I can tell that's that still bothers you now, doesn't it? Yeah, I've never seen Back to the Future in a cinema. I saw it at Secret Cinema, which was pretty magical, but I haven't seen it in a cinema. Um and yeah, it's probably the biggest regret of my life. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I guess. And also, you've reminded me. I did say this on um on the, the the show we did where we were asking each other questions at last Christmas. But Superman three was a very very um upsetting screening for me in 1983 when um the woman turns into the robot. That that oh, gave yeah. me nightmares then, and as I said, it still gives me nightmares. So that was probably the most that's probably the most scared I've ever been in a cinema, um, which is weird because it's a superhero movie for kids. I do. I guess the most scared I have ever been in a cinema, which is much more acceptable. There were two moments. One, as an adult, was watching The Descent. Uh, that scared the shit out of me. I went to um, a, a, a very early screening. Or it might have even been the premiere of that as a guest in Leicester Square. And uh, I think I watched The Descent. It scared the shit out of me. Uh, but as a kid... I remember going to see Cliffhanger in Leeds in um, 1993. Um, and I was just like, cool, I know Sylvester Stallone is, this is going to be an action movie. This is going to be great. I cannot wait. And that girl dying at the start of Cliffhanger screwed me up. I, it was awful. 
so upsetting to watch. I remember distinctly sitting there going, like, just I couldn't believe it when the teddy falls out first and then she falls afterwards and the shot looking down from his point of view as she's falling. I was like, I just, oh, still it gives me chills thinking about that moment. I just don't think I was prepared for it. It was one of those, like, awful just shocks when you think you're just going to be in safe hands. <laughs> and that, and that's <laughs> a film that we've got to get on the podcast sooner or later. I'd love to go deep on Cliffhanger. What's if, the if one it doesn't traumatise you too much. What's the one you suggested we do it with? I'm sure there was one that we can't <laughs> it's a, get. It's that we one that's do it really with. hard to find. Um, yeah. Extreme Ops. And it's about yes. a group of extreme sports experts fighting terrorists on the side of a mountain. Uh, it stars <laughs> Devin Sawyer, who uh, was in Final Destination, and he's in the Eminem video. He's Stan. Um, uh, Peter Sampras. Pete Sampras's wife is in it. But can we really? Can we? How can we get this? Is it that hard to find? Is it still really hard to I'll find? I'll have to. I'll have a look. I'll have a look. But that would be fun. Because if, if, <laughs> if it's, is it too obscure? If it's not that, we're gonna. Well, if it's not that, we do. We do vertical limit. Surely, sure, vertical yeah, limit yeah. cliffhanger would be good. Which I think is still a good, a good option. But I do think um, extreme ops is brilliant. Um, but being a horror guy myself, if we're if we're on that subject, uh, I go to fright fest every year, and I go to a lot of the uh, horror films press screenings there's kind of a group of us that are the horror geeks and i could say that there was the 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 film that scared all the horror critics all the hardened horror dudes uh was uh, without a shadow of a doubt wreck that is the first time i've come out of a screening and all of us we're all sort of know each other all of us were shaking ever so slightly because of the experience Mm. of watching wreck for the first time that's a great movie, yeah. Terrible remake, quarantine, but Wreck is brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I can, I can appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, I was, I, th- I, the horror movie that I always remember going to the cinema to see was the Blair Witch Project. And yes, me too. Yeah, like, all the hype, everything that everyone had said. This is the scariest movie ever made. It's going to screw you up, and I was ready. And it was a packed cinema, the Odeon in Camden Town, and I sat there. And we watched it, and then the final scene happens, and it's the guy standing in the corner facing the wall, and then it just cuts. And you're like, oh, my God. And before you can really process anything, a guy in the middle of the Odeon Cinema in in Camden Town goes, what, that's it? And everyone (laughs) burst out laughing. And I was like, ah, that moment's gone. So forevermore, it was, uh, I don't think of it as scary. I think of it as a, what, that's it, ending. What a bastard. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. So, you know, we weren't born when Jaws came out, which is your favorite film. But I feel like we were there when the, the summer blockbuster really got going, which I'd say is 1989, when sequels were taking over the summer and it just felt like there was a sea change with the films that came out that year so when you were sort of a teenager what what was what's your favorite summer blockbuster growing up favorite summer blockbuster growing up man uh, you know well she's not here to go oh that's mine but i probably picked ghostbusters i sort of remember like that being a real well let me let me rephrase that because I remember the buzz around Ghostbusters. I remember friends of mine having books. I didn't see Ghostbusters at the cinema, so I don't know whether that that doesn't really allow me to call it my favourite summer blockbuster, but I remember being so excited about a movie and the merchandise and it being everywhere. I had a Ghostbusters baseball hat, and like, I, but I never actually saw it. For me, I guess... As an actual movie, and can like, I just add, by the I way, you saw... picked you picked a film that came out in December in the UK for your summer blockbuster, so that's <sighs> good as well. Double screwed up. <laughs> um, I don't know. What's yours? You do yours, well, and I'll think about that. Uh, yeah, I mean, Batman was the big one, uh, and we've talked about Batman on the show. I think I've talked about even going to see it with my parents and then with my friends because it was a twelve, so I had to go with my parents because I was eleven. Um, but that summer was magical because you had Batman, but you also had Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, which I think was Shit. such a yes, such an amazing crowd pleaser. You know, it yeah. totally delivered. And again, I was eleven years old. It was just, it was like being in heaven, and it was such a perfect end to the Indiana Jones story. You thought they've nailed it. It's sad there'll be no more Indiana <laughs> Jones movies, but I'm glad because that was a perfect way for them to ride off into the sunset. Um. What do you think, like, about doing it? I guess we should do it as a triple threat show at some point in the future. I was thinking about, like, not doing it as a triple threat and doing Raiders of the Lost Ark versus The Last Crusade because I think there's a real conversation to be had there about which is the better Indiana Jones movie and the best Indiana Jones movie. But, you know, Temple of Doom, I think there are people who would go, it needs to be included. What do you think? Uh, yeah, it's tricky. I, I'd i want to talk about all three and then I don't know what we do with triple threats now. We've split the show into two pieces. Yay! <laughs> We've given ourselves Good, we didn't a headache. Think of that. Um, didn't and, think of that, did we? <laughs> and then the other summer blockbuster uh, that was very special going to see um, was Jurassic Park. 
Um, yes, yeah. Again, I remember yeah. I remember buying tickets, phoning up to get tickets the day they went on sale um, for me, my mum, my dad and my brother and going as a family and it just being such a special experience because, again, it, was, it wasn't just the excitement of seeing it, but it was a film that truly delivered. Yeah, became at the time it was the highest grossing movie in the history of cinema wasn't it it went to number one in the box office yeah it's a, yeah i had all the stationery like i remember you know you used to get stationery sets for movies that you loved like or i did anyway i had like notebooks with dinosaurs on pencils with dinosaurs on jurassic park rubbers yeah what big into the jurassic park merchandise yeah 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 <laughs> Yeah, this is, like, I think the pack said this sex is going to be prehistoric or something like that. <laughs> I can't remember. Um, I've got one of my worst experiences. Not mm-hmm. really one of my worst, one of my more embarrassing experiences. It comes from a, a recent one when I was hosting. The first ever premiere I hosted um, was uh, for Tomb Raider 2, The Cradle of Life. I was at the after show party because I'd host it, and I was at the after show party. And I just remember... Like, I don't know why. I guess it like like one of the, the one of the film PRs was like, "Oh, would you like to meet Angelina Jolie?" Um, you know, and I because you hosted the premiere, and I, I you know, do you want to meet? And I was like, "Yeah, okay, cool, sure, that's great, thank you, yeah, I'd love to." And so I was shown into this VIP area, and like uh, they were like, "Oh, this is Angelina, this is Alex. Uh, he hosted the premiere this evening," and she was like, "Hi," and I was like, oh, "Hi," and there was a pause, and I went, "Uh, so are you um." Are you going to make a Tomb Raider 3? And she went, I'm not sure at the moment. And I went, cool, thank you, bye. <laughs> that was it. That was our entire conversation. And um, I uh, I just remember sort of thinking, oh, yeah, I could have probably said something better than, are you going to make a Tomb Raider 3? So most of your memories are you embarrassing yourself in front of beautiful women. <laughs> yes. Um, I had a bad experience um, watching Return of the King. Um, because I, I missed Why? it when it was previewed uh, and then it was such a big release that I, I just didn't want to see it. In a ba- I was living in Bournemouth at the time and I'd had a couple of bad experiences at the cinema there with just people talking all the way through and on their phones. So oh my um, I waited until all the hype had died down and I watched it on a weekday in an afternoon when I was pretty sure the cinema would be empty. And it was, apart from just as the film started a woman came in and sat right by me when the cinema was empty, which is <laughs> is psychotic behavior to begin with. But she had a toddler with her and a baby. And, uh, you know, I'm all for parents being able to go to the cinema with their kids and they've got special screens for that now. But at the time, you know, this was a three hour film. I just wanted to get completely enveloped in. And her toddler, A, it was too frightening for the kid, but he didn't give a shit because he was on the floor singing and playing with his toys that he'd brought <laughs> and then so that was annoying me for 20 minutes and then after half an hour in i could hear this sucking happening because she started breastfeeding the baby and so i've got the kids singing the baby breastfeeding and i just it just it just completely spoiled this thing i was i was so excited about and maybe i could have gone and complained but i did what any proper british person would do and i went and sat in another seat as far away from her as possible and didn't <laughs> say anything at all and just sat there quietly <laughs> stewing for two and a half hours Oh my god, I heard that the Avengers Infinity War. No, it was Endgame, Endgame. No, which one? Endgame, I think. Oh, I can't remember. But it was a kid. Like, his parents had given him a bag of, like, crisps. But it was, like, not a bag of, like, I, I what's it? He was eating out what felt sounded like a carrier bag of crisps. Like, and it was just, like, you could hear it echoed around this small screen in. 
And I, I'm like, ah, oh, I really wish I was one of those people who could just sort of go over and can you please not do that? Like, this is I can't. I, this is an important movie experience for me, and it's just very loud. Then after no concern of mine, because a guy who was sitting on the front row got up, walked all the way back, pointed at the kid who was sitting with his parent, pointed directly at the kid and went, "Could you please stop bloody doing that?" And I was like. Fantastic! That's great. I mean, terrifying. Uh, I would have gone over there. Like... I would have gone over there and said, uh, "Where did you get that carrier bag full of crisps?" <laughs> <laughs> I want one. It was uh, so weird that he like. I, I mean, he must have emptied the crisps out of an actual crisp bag into a carrier bag. I don't know. I don't know why. But anyway, yeah, that was really annoying. I honestly like. I mean, I'm not going to get into that. It's a massive subject, and it's a big rant about people who like literally like talk in the cinema or play on their phones in the cinema. But even like I was, when I used to go to like the, um, like the press screenings for that week's release, there were like journalists who would make notes on their phone. And so you'd be sitting in a room like in a cinema and suddenly you'd see a light and it'd be someone tapping in notes about the movie on their phone. You're like, just, just no. I, I, tell, I asked them, you... to, I asked them to, to turn the light off if they're doing that. I really so do. I just, there's one bastard who, who's got one of those pens with a light on it. Oh god! <laughs> he does. He drives oh, me bonkers. I just think if you're in a public like cinema, if it's not a private screen, not a, like you've actually gone to the cinema. I think what we should have is like a little, um, a little, uh, a monitor, kind of a touch screen uh, on your on your armrest, which has got or on just on the seat in front, which has got a layout of the entire cinema on it. And, like, you can tap each seat. So if there's this guy in a certain seat or people in a certain seat that are making noise or playing on their phone or anything, you just tap, like, that seat. And, like, if enough other people in the cinema have tapped that exact seat, then that person is ejected from the cinema, like a democratic vote of the other people in the room to get rid of them. Like, I mean, like, not just ejected, they're like a trap door opens and they, <laughs> they're sucked down into a threshing machine built under the room and then their remains are pumped back up into the nacho cheese at the, in the foyer. <laughs> well, That's making the nacho cheese more uh, nutritious. At the Draft House Cinemas in America, which I go to for Fantastic Fest of South by Southwest, they have a system where you can order food and drink by writing it down mm. on a bit of paper and just um, placing it in front of you and then the waiting staff come, come by and pick that up. And they also encourage you... Um, uh, before screenings, they tell you that if anyone is talking or using their phone, just jot it down on the bit of paper and we will warn them and then remove them if they continue to do it, which is a great system because then it doesn't mean that you have to square off with the person. <clears throat> but um, yeah, that's good. And, it, and you end up with, with you end up with very quiet cinemas there. It does the job. Although, have you ever read The Crucible? You know, it's like, you know, the Salem Witch Trials. I mean, suddenly, you know, you're basically accusing other people of using their phone, even if they're not, uh, to settle petty feuds and vendettas. Yeah, uh, but but we the difference is uh, they don't burn them in Austin. Right, 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 right. Well, that's, they do, that's, they do bring a lot of beer. It's reminded me, actually, they, they, uh, you could drink a fair amount of beer at the screenings there because they have a pre-show as well where they show clips and trailers and all themed towards the movies. And I was there for a movie called Cheap Thrills, which is a really, really great dark kind of thriller horror, which is about a series of dares that get progressively more um, dangerous and frightening. And so after the screening, mm. the whole cinema was pissed and so were the cast. And they did a series of dares on stage with audience members. And one woman, she was really drunk. She got a tattoo of the film on her arm. 
while we were sitting there. <laughs> I just hate to think what she thought the next day, that she had cheap thrills written on her arm. Oh, my God. And it was actually the title of the movie. Yeah. That's what she had. Yeah. Oh. I mean, she volunteered oh. for it, but she was a bit drunk. Yeah, but I'm sure that yeah, there's a rule. Like, because mm. they... When I, I were, when I got my one tattoo of a shark on my wrist, I was really, really drunk. But you know when you do that drinking all day? Like, so I was hammered, but I was sort of on the outside. I was kind of normal, but inside I was like all over the place because it had been that slow burn drinking. Anyway, this tattoo artist went, um, you're not drunk, are you? And I went, no. I'm fine, actually. We're looking forward to getting this tattoo. She was like, because you, you know, we're not allowed to tattoo drunk people. I'm like, exactly. Which is what should have happened with this woman who had cheap thrills on her arm. But anyway, I, I, I passed off as not drunk, so I got a shark uh, tattooed on my wrist. And, and then, did you um, regret it? I woke, I woke up eight hours later, uh, looked down and went, holy shit, what the fuck? And I rang a tattoo removal clinic. And I said to the woman, I have a tattoo of a shark uh, on my wrist that I'd like to get removed. And she was like, of course, uh, how long have you had it? And I went, less than eight hours. And she went, <laughs> oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm not allowed to laugh. Um, yeah, you're going to have to wait six months for that to heal. And then we can talk about removing it. And I was like, cool, cool, cool. Thank you. And... Um, and then by six months had passed, and I got kind of fond of it, so um, so I kept it. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> getting tattooed when you're drunk, bad idea, bad idea. Yeah, I uh, I had a funny one when I went to see the film Hostel. I took I took an actress who's in the film, Jennifer Lim, and we talked about her scene in a previous podcast. She's the one that has the eyegasm, where her eye gets gouged out and white pus comes out of it, and they called it the eyegasm on the set. And okay. It's a really shocking, uh, hardcore, violent scene. And the bloke sitting next to me was just beside himself in his seat. And then uh, when it had all calmed down, I tapped him on the shoulder and said, it's all right, she's healed up and pointed at her. And he nearly lost his shit. <laughs> he was sitting next to the woman whose eyes he'd just seen gouged out. <laughs> I, 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 didn't, I was weighing up whether to say it or not. And I was thinking, when am I ever going to get a chance to do something like this ever again? <laughs> yeah. I, I saw The Room. Uh, have you seen The Room with Tommy Wiseau? Which... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I could have, obviously, yeah, yeah. I have, yeah. Of they course, play that regular. Did you see it at the Prince Charles Cinema? No, no. I, I, I've never seen it. I've never seen it at a cinema. Uh, I watched it at home, but yeah, I know they have regular screenings of it. Yeah, it's quite a fun yeah. experience there. And I first time I saw it, well, the only time I saw it was was one of their special screenings, and they had Tommy there. And I mean, oh yeah, the room's quite a boring film. It really is. Um, about an hour in, they're sort of. You got about half hour where nothing happens. And so I I went to the loo and he was just sitting on his own in the foyer. So I ended up sitting with him for half an hour and having a chat. That was a, that was a memorable cinema going experience. Kind of, is he a little bit crazy? Like nuts? He is, but uh, he is, but it's partly an act because um, we had a really nice chat about the James Franco movie and whether he was going to be in it and, you know, how he felt about a film being made about him. Um, and we had a good chat about that. He's obviously got a huge ego, um, but I really enjoyed his company. But then when the film ended and he came on stage and took questions from the audience, he completely transformed into this monster who was rude to everyone who asked him a question. And the ruder he was, the more people liked it. 
So <laughs> it, it was really it was really putting on a show. But I felt I felt yeah. lucky to have got that other seen that other side of him that was actually quite a sweet bloke, really. Mm. Uh, lovely. Have you got any more, or do you want to? Uh, do you want to? I think I'll call my, it a, a, my, a day. I'll just say my. I think my my favourite experience. I think probably, or one that meant most to me doing what I do today was was um, going to see Reservoir Dogs, because uh, Reservoir Dogs was banned on video in the UK for a couple of years mm. because of the ear slicing scene, which you don't actually see. It just became yeah. this sort of hot potato that the the um. The, the BBFC would not pass for video release. And so I couldn't see it because I was only 15. And then a, a little art house cinema opened up in Croydon at the time called the David Lean Cinema. And so I said to my dad, mm-hmm. would you take me to see this very violent film? Um, because I feel like I'll get in if you're buying the tickets and we go in together. But it might be a bit unpleasant for you to watch it. And he he agreed and we went and saw it and just had the best time. We both absolutely loved the film and it felt it felt like I was doing something a bit dangerous watching this banned film. And I don't know, it sort of coincided with my love of film really taking off and wanting to sort of write about films for a living. So that was, that's just a really great memory of, of, of why cinema is so special. Yeah. And why you should respect it and enjoy it. And like, uh, yeah, I, I went to see um, Inception with a friend of mine who uh, fell asleep during it. And uh, I woke <laughs> up after about 15 minutes and went, what have I missed? And I was like, just no, absolutely not. Not in this movie. This isn't, this isn't a, what have you missed movie? I'm sorry. You're just going to have to just, I, I'm not a lot to put it, to put it, put it, put it simply. You've missed a lot too much See, for me to explain, you I idiot. would say Inception is a film where falling asleep, uh, I feel like you're actually playing into Christopher Nolan's hands. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a theme yeah. at play there. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I realised that I, I enjoy film more than I enjoy um, other forms of media, like music, for example. When I went to Glastonbury in 1997 and we, um, let's just say, we all imbibed some uh, illegal substances in the Glastonbury spirit and all my friends were like, come on, let's go, we're going to the Prodigy around the main stage, let's go see the Prodigy. And I went, no, no, no. No, I'm going over here. And I went and watched train spotting in the cinema field for two hours off my head. And it was the best experience in the oh, world. I bet. Were you on your own? <laughs> yep. Sitting there on my own while everyone went to watch The Prodigy and I watched train spotting in a field. It was great. Awesome. I loved it. Uh, a lovely journey through each other's minds just then, Christopher Tilly. So that is it for our little special remembering cinema clash pod ahead of the brand new battle next week as i said it's the full monty versus magic mike get your homework done and um, we'll be back on monday any other messages before we leave chris no aside from tell your friends about us give us a rating give us a like give us a review we do appreciate it we do we do yeah hit us up at clash Pod on twitter anytime you fancy uh, either chris or i are always there and not so much Vicky. Not so uh, much Vicky. She does not give not, a toss about the Twitter. <laughs> One of us will be there. One of us. All right, take care, stay safe, and we'll be back Monday. Bye-bye for now. This was a Stakhanov production. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.